Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well this morning. Um, It's nice to see Rebecca taking the lead this morning. Let's give her a hand for the work that she's done here in worship and leading us. Certainly appreciate those people who uh, contribute to leading us in worship and bringing us to, to the throne of God. So that's, that's just awesome to see uh, people pitching in, and it's, it's awesome. So excited to be with you this morning, and it's a privilege uh, for me to be able to work through this series, Help, I Need Somebody With You. If you haven't caught the two earlier messages from, uh, from this series, I would encourage you to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, they are there, posted each Sunday, right after, after the messages are preached, um, and uh, you can check those out. Also, we have a podcast um, that is uh, First Baptist Church Lloyd Minster, and you can subscribe. And if you want to listen to those messages again or share those with somebody, please uh, make sure you take advantage of those platforms. We certainly appreciate our social media team and our video team uh, who, who make those resources available to you. As Doug has mentioned, the, series of, uh, the, the t- title for this series was taken from the famous Beatles song, Help. This is actually a pretty fun rock and roll song, um, but it was written by John Lennon when he was struggling with the stress and pressure of living up to Beatlemania. Listen to what he had to say years following the release of this song. I mean it. It's real. It's just me singing help, and I meant it. When help came out, I was crying out for help. Most people think it's just a fast rock and roll song. I didn't realize it at the time. I just wrote it at the time because I was commissioned to write it for the movie. But later, I knew I was really crying out for help. It was my fat Elvis period. You see the movie, he, I, is very fat, very insecure, and completely lost, and he's completely lost himself. And I'm singing about what I, when I was so much younger and all the rest, looking back at how easy it was I was fat and I was crying out for help. As you think about that, and I found it very intriguing because as you think about John Lennon, you don't think of somebody that that didn't have it all together. You know, the public persona that we saw was somebody that that just was, was, you know, having fun and just enjoying life and, and just, you know, doing very well. And yet, as we hear this testimony from himself, in the midst of it all, he, he was lost and he was insecure and he wasn't, wasn't even really sure about holding it all together. I want you to listen to the words from the first verse with me, and I think there's some interesting lessons that we can learn for it. I want you to rest assured, I'm not basing my message today on a rock and roll song. We're going to get to scripture. But I think it's amazing how this rock and roll song actually expresses the truths that are taught in scripture. Let's take a look at these words. I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now these days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? As you listen to that that first line, it's that, that sense of independence. I never needed anybody's help in any way. And you know what? I think oftentimes in our Christian life, we can adopt this mentality. 
We can untop this mentality of independence. Maybe it's because of pride. Maybe it's because of insecurity. Maybe we just haven't been discipled and mentored in the way that we should. But we think, for some reason, that I have to project this persona of having everything all together, even when my inside is a mess. And today, as we, we look through the Word of God, I hope that as, as this song progresses in maturity, it's saying, hey, I never needed anybody's help, to, but now these days are gone and I'm not so self-assured. I hope as we work through today's message that we will see how beneficial it is to actually open up the door and to say, help, I need somebody. That we realize how valuable it will be to say to a fellow Christian, help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? So this morning, we are going to see some of the powerful ways that, that bringing our insecurity, bringing our failure to other Christians is such an amazing blessing and benefit. We're also going to see how when that person comes to us and actually confesses their sin to us, that we have a responsibility, that we have an obligation to pray for them. And then, as we close out the verse, John, or James chapter 5, verse 16, as we close out that, we're going to look and see how powerful prayer is. The promise that you and I, as we pray for one another, that it's a very, very powerful means in helping somebody out. And also, we'll see the assurance that comes of just restoration and healing as we pray for other people. So this morning, we're going to take a little bit of time to look at uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. But before we do that, I would just encourage you, we're just going to take a, a, just a few moments of silent prayer. And just ask God to prepare you for this morning. Ask God to prepare your hearts as you, as you hear his word this morning. And then also, if you would, if you would pray for me as well, as I bring forth the word this morning, that it would be clear and it would be effective. So let's pray together. So this morning, let's uh, pop over from John Lennon to James, the brother of Jesus, and to see what truth that God has for us this morning. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And this verse is really part of the conclusion of the book of James and has been writing things down. He brings our attention to the need for and the power of prayer. He's just spoken about those who are sick, calling, from the elders, calling for the elders of the church to pray for them, and then he moves to this command for all of us. And there's a couple of different parts of this command. There's our action, and then there's a response. And so let's take a look at the first one. It says here that we are to confess our sins to one another. Now, I'll admit, confessing our faults isn't our natural go-to. Coming up to somebody and say, you know what, I really messed up isn't something we want to do. When a man and I moved here, uh, we, we purchased our home and uh, we wanted to get it painted up and, you know, just into the colors that, that we enjoy and things along those lines. And um, Amanda really wanted to get that done right away. I, I had the definition of right away as well, but my right away was a lot longer than her right away. And so we did a lot of painting and a lot of picture hanging in the first couple weeks that we were here. And quite frankly, by the end of it, I was getting a little worn out. All of us were getting a little worn out of, of doing all that painting and such. And, 
And uh, when you come into the front door of our house, you can either go downstairs to the left or upstairs to the right. And right above that downstairs, there's this big blank wall. And we had a split entry in, in our house back in Truro. And over that split entry, there's a nice picture frame that we hang. And uh, it's an old barn door, old shed door. And uh, has the, the window is no longer there and now has a picture of our family in behind it. And so we were getting near to the end of that. And I really don't like hanging pictures. And so... It's like, okay, I'm going to get this job done. And so I got the tape measure out, and I centered it horizontally, and then centered it vertically, you know, from, from just above the stairs to all the way to the ceiling. And, and I hung it, and I knew it looked bad. Oh, I knew it looked bad. Like, you had to kind of walk into our door and go like this to see the picture, right? And I was like, but dang it, it's centered. And so I was like, we're leaving it. And then Amanda comes in, and she's very gracious, and Braden. Like, I think it's a little high, and I'm like, nope, it's not. It, it's staying there. And, and I knew it didn't look good, but I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to rehang it. And if you walk into our house today, you'll see where it used to be and where it is now. So it's, it is not our natural go-to to say, yes, I messed up. But according to the passage of Scripture that we are looking at today, it's absolutely crucial And it's absolutely essential in our Christian maturity to be able to come to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and to say, you know what, I really messed that up. I really blew this. Or I am perpetually blowing this and I need somebody to keep me accountable and I need somebody to pray for me. It's absolutely essential for our spiritual growth. Now, a couple things that we need to understand. And the first of all is is we have to understand that this confession is not done to receive forgiveness of sins. When I come to a fellow brother or sister and I admit my faults to them and I ask them to pray for me, I am not doing that so that they can somehow go to God on my behalf and God will, be, will forgive me because of their prayers for me. What I need to understand is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 through 6. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. See, forgiveness of sins is only available through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one capable of paying the ransom, the cost of our forgiveness. He is the only one who is capable of bridging the gap between Jesus, or between sinful man and a holy God. When Peter and John were being questioned, they had healed the lame man just outside of the temple, and they were being questioned by the Jewish authorities and and, uh, being sort of harassed by the Jewish authorities. And and Peter, when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, says this, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This morning, I, I I want us to be clear. If you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not asked God to forgive your sins based on what Jesus Christ has done for you, going to somebody else and confessing your sin to them won't accomplish forgiveness. It won't make you right with God. The only way to be made right with God is to go to him and to say, God, I'm a sinner. I recognize that. I have broken your laws and my sin separates me from you. And I know that Jesus, the perfect Son of God, died on the cross, took the full punishment for sin. And I understand if I simply ask you, if I simply reach out to you, you promise whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And so, folks, I hope today, if you are here or if you're watching online and you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope that you take a moment, tune me out. I would love it if you tune me out right now and just talk directly, directly to God about your sin and said, God, please give me that forgiveness. Give me that gift that's available through Jesus. And today, if you're here, if you've done that, please let us know. If you're watching online, please reach out to us. Say, yes, I have placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That would, that would cause a great celebration here at church to know that somebody has placed their faith and trust in Christ. And we would love to celebrate with you. We would love to help you along in your spiritual journey. But for those of us who know Christ as Savior, we need to understand that hiding our sin, with, internalizing our sin, struggling with it all by ourselves is not the way that we are supposed to live our Christian lives. We have been forgiven of our sins and yet so many times we return to the very thoughts, words, and actions that we have been forgiven, for, forgiven of. And it's our responsibility as believers to recognize, hey, I can't overcome this sin on my own. I can't overcome this habit on my own. I need God's help, and I need the help of my brothers and sisters to come alongside of me and pray me through this. Who is it that we should be confessing our sin to? Who is it that we should be bringing these to? Again, it says here in this, this passage, one another. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to be an elder of the church. You know, in fact, as we're looking through this whole series, um, this, this help, I need somebody. These one another's, as Doug has taught us, love one another. You know, last week is to encourage one another. It doesn't have to be somebody, you know, in a high place of authority in a church or whatever. It just, it's our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It's coming along and saying, you know what? I'm struggling. Would you please help me? But you know, those types of relationships don't happen overnight. Those relationships of trust, it takes a lot of trust to come to somebody and to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is where I'm not reflecting Jesus. And how can we develop those relationships? Number one is just through good interaction, through spending time with people. And I would be honest, I would encourage you that small groups is an excellent way to build those relationships. To meet regularly with a group of people, a small group of people, and study the Word of God together, talk about things together, you will see those relationships start to form and to gel. And then as you're going through things in life, you can, you can talk to that small group of people or maybe it's going to be one or two people within that small group that you really connect with and you begin to share your struggles with and they begin to pray for you and with you and you begin to see God's Spirit working in you. As we think about confessing our sins to one another, it's kind of easy to think about the things that we are doing that are wrong. You know, hey, I, I gossip way too much hey, you know, I struggle with this way too much. I, you know, I, I, I envy, I'm jealous when people do things right. Hey, I struggle with lust. Hey, I struggle with whatever. It's easy to think about those things to bring to others and to say, hey, these are the things that I'm doing wrong in our life, in my life. But there's an interesting verse in the book of James that, that brings out another side of confession, another thing that we need to make sure that we're bringing to one another. And it says this in James 4, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Again, it's easy for me to, to recognize the things that I am doing that are sinful. But many times I, I fail to realize the things that I am not doing that are sinful. And so I need to be willing to come alongside a, a brother and sister in Christ and to say, you know what? 
I really haven't been affirming my spouse in the way that I should be. Hey, you know what? I have seen so many people in need lately, and I have the means, the resources to do something about that, and I just don't do anything about it. Hey, my neighbors, they don't know Christ. They don't attend a church anywhere. I know that I'm supposed to be witnessing to them. I know that I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with them. But man, every time I go to speak, I just, I just freeze up. And so we need to understand that this, this confession of sin is not only the things that we are doing, but it's also the things that we aren't doing that we know we should be. So we need to be, saying, we need to be willing in both ways to say, help, I'm feeling down. And I'd really appreciate it if you would just pray for me, that you would just bring me before God and to help me, to ask him to help me to stop doing the things that I'm doing and to start doing the things that I should be doing. And so confess our sins to one another. That's the first command. The second command uh, is that we need to be praying for one another. And as we think about this, there's a couple different angles that I want to look at this, this idea of praying for one another. The first one is just directly in relation to the context of that verse is somebody comes to you, they confess their sin to you, and then our, immediately re- our immediate response needs to be, yes, I'm going to pray for you. So let's just talk about that. What do you do when somebody comes to you and says, hey, this area um, is an area I'm struggling? Let's start with a couple things that you don't do. Number one, we don't want to minimize their sin. Oftentimes when people come to us and they're broken about their sin, they're, they're upset about their sin, we don't want to see them hurting. We don't want to see the, the, the tears and, and the sadness that they have about this or just the, the, the upset feeling that they have. And so our natural tendency, or at least my natural tendency, is to say, oh, it, it's, it's okay, it's okay. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And the truth is the Holy Spirit's laid this in on, on their heart. Holy Spirit's convicted of that, and they're coming to them, and they recognize that this sin is a barrier between their good fellowship with God, and they want to deal with it. And so as we see them hurting, and as we see them, you know, agonizing about this this sin in their life, we can't minimize it. We can't say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, but we can say, you know what? The Bible promises that because you've confessed that to God, you are forgiven. And I will pray that this sin no longer has dominion over you, that it no longer wins the battle every day, and that you will begin to have victory over it. So don't minimize the sin. Even, even if it comes to you and it seems really trivial, you know what? To them it's not. And so we need to make sure that we don't minimize it, that we don't downplay their honesty and their humility. And the second thing is don't share their requests without permission. This person has come to you in trust and in confidence. And in, in a genuine spirit of care and concern, oftentimes we have that tendency to say, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? They're struggling. Would you pray? You know what? And I believe that comes out of a genuine heart and a genuine concern most times. But the reality is if somebody has come to you and they have confessed their sin to you, that's between you, them, and the Lord. And that shouldn't be shared with somebody else. That person who has shared with you doesn't want to hear two or three weeks down the road in a conversation with somebody else, oh, I heard you were struggling with this. I've been praying for you. They would find that very, very awkward and a very much a betrayal of the confidence that they had. So don't minimize their sin. Don't share the request without permission. But here's a couple things that we need to do. First and foremost, we simply need to pray. 
We need to bring them before the Lord and just say, God, this is something that this person's struggling with. It's interesting, the tense of both confess and pray for are tenses, it's a present tense, as you know, in the, the notes that I was studying this week, present tense with no end in sight. So as we confess to one another, it shouldn't be just a one and done and we're, we're, we're done. It should be constant in our lives. And then as we pray for people, it shouldn't be just a quick God help them and be done with it. It means that we are perpetually, continually praying for them. How do you remember to do that? Well, maybe you start a prayer journal. Maybe you set a reminder on your phone. Maybe you write it down somewhere where you're going to see it. And you bring them before the Lord and, and you just, just say, Lord, Help them. Help them to overcome this sin. Help them to have victory that they have have asked for. And then the second thing that we need to do, and we need to make sure that we're doing it regularly, is follow up. As somebody confides in you, as they share their heart with you, they're asking you, they've come to you to, to pray for them. And they've come to you to realize that they needed help. And so if we take that request and then we never follow up, we never say, hey, how are you doing in this area? You shared this with me, and I just want to make sure. If we don't do that, they're going to wonder if, if it's worth confessing again. But if we come to them and say, hey, you said this area was a real struggle. Have you, have you made out this week? Have you, have you taken care of that this week? Is that sin still having victory over you? What are some ways, that, practical ways, that you can put in place that you can avoid this sin? So our most powerful resource is to pray, but then as we follow up, what are some practical steps we can help them um, overcome this sin? And maybe they've come to you and said, hey, you know what? There's a lot of things that I should be doing. God has laid this on my heart. You know, I really want to witness to my neighbor. I really want to be a good testimony at work. And we can follow up with them and say, hey, I've been praying for you. How is that going? Have you had a chance to talk to your neighbor? What, what steps have you taken to increase that friendship, that relationship, so that you have the opportunity to share? But make sure when somebody comes to you, confesses their sins to you, and asks you to pray, make sure you pray. And then make sure you follow up. Make sure that they know that you are concerned for them and you want to see them succeed in their spiritual life. So let's step out of the immediate context of this verse and look at some ways that we can pray uh, for other people. And we see that in Scripture, you know, praying for one another isn't just in, this, in light of confession. It's something that we should be doing all the time. 1 Timothy 2.1 says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made uh, for all people. And then later in Ephesians 6.18, Paul says this. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Church, I hope that we grow together in our understanding of the power that is there for us in prayer. If we grabbed hold of that and prayed for each other as passionately as we should, it would be amazing to see what God would do in our lives and in the lives of people in our community. We need to be bringing each other before the Lord. Let me tell you, praying for somebody is one of the best gifts that you can give them. Last time I preached uh, here, uh, I think it was just in August, I was just at the door saying hi to people, and this lady comes in the door, and we just said hello, and then she said, hey, I know you're preaching this morning, and I'm praying for you. Do you know what? That is such an encouragement. 
to know that as I am up here and I'm going to share the word of God with you, that people have been bringing me before God and saying, God, help him to do it well. Help him to communicate clearly. Such an assurance to know that that's happening on, on our behalf. And I think about the gift of praying for, for other people. I think it would be a real shame if I missed mentioning my grandmother McNair. My Grammy McNair um, lived in Moncton. Amanda and I and the boys had moved to Truro and we'd often travel through to St. John, New Brunswick and in doing that we'd pass through Moncton. And it was always a privilege and a, and a, and a, a pleasure to stop in to see Grammy. She was in a special care home at that time. We'd pop in for, for a short visit or whatever. And there was two things that Grammy would always say to me some course in the visit. Number one, I love you. You know, as we were leaving, I'd go over, give her a kiss on the cheek, and say, I love you, Graham, I love you too, Bruce. Oftentimes she'd beat me to it, and she'd say, I love you first. But the second thing that she said was this, I pray for you every day. And you know what? That was a treasure and a gift that she gave to us to know that every day she was praying for her family and for their families, for her grandkids and, their, and the great-grandkids, and just always, constantly bringing us before the Lord. So praying for each other, guys, it's a valuable gift that we can give. But I don't know about you, but sometimes as I pray for people, if they're going through a crisis or they're going through something you know, immediate, it's not too hard to know what to pray for. It's not too hard to say, okay, Lord, help them through this. Help them through that. But if there's nothing major going on, oftentimes I settle for this, bless them, or to help them have a good day. Both of those are great requests. Both of those are sincere requests. I truly want the person that I'm praying for to be blessed. And I truly want them to have a good day. But this week, as I was studying last week, actually, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a, a YouTube video, and it's just a, a young couple, and they talked about praying for each other and praying scripture for each other. And in your bulletin, you'll notice that there's a number of references um, that, are, that are listed there. You'll find that on the app under our notes as well. And then if you go online, if you're watching online, you can click the, uh, I think it's read. I can't remember which tab it is now. I'm blanking on that one, but it's like third or fourth one over. You click on that, you'll find our weekly bulletin. And in there, there's a list of references. And all of those references are places in Scripture where the writer of, of the epistle or, or the letter, uh, you know, makes a prayer on behalf of fellow believers. And so I want to look at a, a couple of those with you this morning and just take the time to say, okay, if, I'm, if I want to pray, what are some things maybe that I could pray that even goes deeper than I've been praying for them before? And so the first one that I'd like to look at with you is Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And it says this, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You know, a couple of people that I pray for often are my boys. And as I look through this passage of scripture, you think, what a, what a powerful thing a parent could pray for their kids. You look over this and we pray that they would know God's will. But not only know God's will, the idea here is to, to fulfill it, to carry it out, to be obedient. 
God, help them to be obedient in their lives. Help them to be wise and discerning. What a culture that they live in today. So much stuff coming at them from so many directions. You know, and us as well. Help us to be wise and discerning, knowing what you would have us to do, what you would have them to do. That they live lives that reflect Jesus well. That their lives would have an impact on other people. Bearing fruit in every good work. You know, wouldn't that be awesome to say, hey, my kids, these people, the people that I'm praying for, they're bearing fruit. People are coming to know Jesus because of them. People are being encouraged in their walk with Jesus. To pray that for each other as well, how powerful that is. That they would get to know God better and better. And that they are strong in him to face whatever circumstances they encounter. I'd just like to take a couple minutes now. I just want you to ask God for one person to pray this for. We'll leave this passage up there uh, on the screen. Um, and you can look at it in your, your Bible as well. It's not the whole thing isn't on there. But let's take a couple minutes. Just bring, this, bring a person before God. Pray that they would know his will. Pray that they'd be wise and discerning. Pray that they live lives that reflect Jesus well, that their lives would have an impact on others, that they'd know God better and better, and they are strong in him to face whatever circumstance they're encountering. Just take a minute or two. another passage in Ephesians chapter 3. It says this, Ephesians 3, 14 and 19, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all fullness of God. Again, a few takeaways from there, that there would be an understanding of the vast resources of God. John MacArthur pointed out that this, you know, is, is not, when we think about his vast resources, when God gives to us from his, his, himself and from his nature, he is not depleting. It's not like, you know, when, when kids come to you and they're like, Dad, can I have 10 bucks? You know, and you give them that 10 bucks, well then, you know, if you had 100, now you only have 90. God just gives and he's still infinitely full. And so we would understand together that, that when we come to God and we ask him for things and we, we desire things from him and he gives us out of his resources, it's not depleting him in any way. It hasn't diminished his ability to help somebody else. It's just, it's in vast riches of his resources. That there'd be an understanding of God's work within them. That there'd be an understanding of the love that Christ has for them. That there would be a complete dominance of God in their lives. These are all elements of bless them. These are all elements of, of help them to have a good day. 
But I think it also helps us to, to focus in on specific areas and to say to God, hey, grow them in this area. Help them to see more of you in this area. Just some powerful things. One last one, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2, two through 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open, the door, uh, open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I find this prayer pretty encouraging, actually. Here's the Apostle Paul who has planted a number of churches, who has shared the gospel in a number of different situations, saying, hey, can you pray for me? that I share the gospel well? Can you pray for me as I'm in this situation that when I speak, that I would make it clear? I find that really encouraging because, you know what, when I encounter my neighbors, I think, how do I bring this up? How do I not force this, but how do I make it natural? How do I make this clear? And you know what, to be praying for each other, hey, let's pray and ask God to say, give them the strength. Give them the strength and the courage to, to make that step of starting a conversation. And Lord, when that conversation starts, help them to make it really clear. Help it make it really simple. Today, as you leave, there's going to be a, a freezer out in the, in the foyer. And that freezer has hamburgers in it. And we're hoping, these are ones that we were wanting to use in the backyard barbecue, but now we're hoping to use it in many backyard barbecues. And we'd like you to take a package of burgers and to find a coworker, a neighbor, whatever, invite them over to your home and say, hey, Come on over. Get to know each other better. Maybe that's the first conversation of many. Maybe that's a conversation that's continued along and you're going to have an opportunity maybe to, to go a little further in, in telling them about Christ. But today, if you're out there and you're grabbing a bag of burgers, see who else has a bag of burgers. And whether you talk to them or not, ask God to help you to remember them and to pray for them as they endeavor to build a relationship with a friend, with a neighbor, with a coworker. With the, option of, with the opportunity to share the gospel. So whoever's got a bag of burgers in their hand, just, just say, I'm going to take one of those families and I'm going to pray for them. And let's see what God does as, as we endeavor to spread the gospel throughout this community. So let's pop back to our main passage this morning. Again, it says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's a couple of neat promises here. The first one, as we see, it says that the promise is if we confess and pray, healing results. The vast majority of commentators that I've read on this passage believe that this healing can be both physical and spiritual. I read an excellent article by a man named Sam Alberry, and he writes for the Gospel Coalition, and he says this, The New Testament urges great caution in making this sort of connection between sin and physical sickness. In general, sickness is part and parcel of life in a broken and fallen world. It is part of the fallout from our collective rebellion against God and in that sense is indiscriminate. But there are a few occasions in the New Testament where sickness results from sin. For example, Jesus warned the healed invalid, see, you are well again, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Instances of sin prompted sicknesses are meant to provoke repentance so the fatherly discipline can be lifted. So we have to understand that there is a, a correlation between sin and sickness. But this week, if you come down with the flu or if you get a cold or, or even something more severe, the probability is that it's just a result of living in a world that's broken by sin. But if you examine your heart and you know in your heart that there's an ongoing root of rebellion, 
If there's an ongoing issue of sin that you have been convicted of and you have done nothing about, then it would be very wise for you to confess that sin to God first, make it right. Confess sin to others, have them pray for you, and it's very, very likely that there will be healing as a result of that. I can give you a quick example from my life. Um, I tend uh, to be a worrier. I've gotten a little bit better over the years. But when I let worry dominate my life, immediately there are some pretty uncomfortable stomach issues that are a result. I've had an ulcer in the past, different things along those lines. And I'll be honest with you, when you confess that worry, when you say to God, God, I'm not in control of this. I'm not in control of this. And you say, I, I accept you, I trust you, you're leading in this area. It's amazing how that upset stomach, how that ulcer has, has calmed down. You know, yes, I had to take medicine for the ulcer. But I'm telling you, there are some times when our sin brings on physical sickness. And I think that's one in my life that I can give testimony to that as a result of worry, I had some stomach issues. When I handed those things over to God and when I live and trust in Him, those issues are not present. So we have to understand that sometimes there is a connection between our sickness and sin. The majority of times, you're probably sick just because there's sickness in the world. But if you know of rebellion or you know and you can connect my, your sin to this illness, then it's best that we confess that. Ask somebody to pray for us so that we will not longer be separated from God in, in terms of our fellowship and also so that our, our bodies would be healed. So there's, there's that prayer. Not only is there that, that physical healing, but there's also spiritual refreshment that comes. Again, our desire is to be in personal, close fellowship with God. And when we sin and we let sin reign in our lives, that fellowship can't be there. It can't be enjoyed to the fullest level that it could be. And that's why all of our lives is confessing and praying because all of our lives we are on a journey to knowing him more and more and more and more. And so we have that promise of healing and we have that promise of spiritual refreshment. But there's another, there's another promise that we want to look at as we close. And that promise is one that I think sometimes I have a hard time grasping. It says this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think sometimes we undermine what God wants to do through us. We look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not a righteous person, so my prayers probably aren't going to be as effective. What we have to understand in our Christian walk is that when we place our faith and trust in Christ, we are declared righteous. God places the righteousness of Christ on our account. Yes, we have a responsibility when we see sin in our lives to confess it and to bring it to God, and to ask him to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the fact is, when you place your faith and trust in Christ, you were declared righteous. Therefore, your, power has great pow- your prayer has great power as it is working. You know, the Holy Spirit knew that we were going to doubt that, and so he gives us an example in the next couple of verses in the book of James, James 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it may not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. <laughs> Do you know what? It's amazing to see here. As you read that passage, actually, it's in, uh, you can find the parallel in 1 Kings 17 and 18. It's kind of neat because in there it says God commanded that it was not going to be rain, and then he commanded that Elijah pray, and then, and then it would rain. And God worked through, gives, gives Elijah credit here in James 
for being the one that stopped the rain through prayer and started the rain through prayer. And so we have to understand that, that our power, our prayer has great power and that you are the righteous person that's being talked about in this verse. And so when somebody comes to you and asks for prayer, man, step up, step up to the plate. You're that righteous person. Your prayer has much power as it is working. You know, it's neat to be part of a staff that, that believes in these verses. On Tuesdays in our staff meeting, we are constantly sharing prayer requests uh, with each other. Things that are going on in our lives, not just ministry related, but personally related. On Thursday, we get together in the office um, and, and pray for an hour together for you folks, for ourselves. Bringing our weaknesses to each other and praying for each other. In light of that, um, guys, um, Wednesday mornings at 7.30, um, from 7.30 to 8.30, I would like to invite you to a drop-in prayer time. This is a prayer time that if you have five minutes to come to, that's awesome. You can come, you can stay for the whole hour. Um, our goal there is if you want to come and pray by yourself and you just make that a personal time of prayer, that's awesome. If you can come and, and be there for 15 minutes and, and just pray for a bit and leave, that's perfect. And the whole idea is, is we're not going to be doing long prayers, just short couple sentence prayers so that anybody that drops in has that opportunity to pray uh, with us, for us, but it's going to be a time of prayer, lifting others up, lifting ourselves up before the Lord. So I'd invite you to that Wednesday morning, 7.30 in the fireside room. Ladies, I would love it if someone, one of you would like to say, hey, I'd like to lead a group for ladies as well, and we would love to make that available to you because our prayers are effective. They have much power in their working. So this week, I would encourage you, don't be afraid to step up. Doug's been talking a lot, and we want to focus this, this year on this eternal perspective, having the long view. The short view tells us, don't admit your faults. Keep those hidden. Deal with them on your own. You'll be able to overcome them. The long view says, I'm going to put aside my pride. I'm going to put aside my immaturity. I'm going to put aside this, this thinking that I can do this on my own. And I'm going to ask others to pray for me so that I can grow in this relationship with God to keep taking it to the next level, the next level, and the next level because knowing Him is the fullest means of satisfaction and joy in this life. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank You for this morning. Thank You for the privilege of knowing You. Thank You for the privilege of being forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Thank you for calling us into a relationship with you that, that is supposed to be ever-growing, ever-bringing us closer to you. Father, forgive me, forgive us for hiding our sin. Forgive me, uh, Lord, for just not wanting to admit what I have done is wrong. Help us to find those close relationships, those people that we can trust that will pray for us and that will help us to find that healing that comes through confession and prayer. So I just want to thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Hope you have a super week and I hope to hear some good stories about barbecues, whether it's this week or in the coming weeks. God bless. <laughs>